0: Hey, Wizards fans, welcome to the off-season edition of the Off the Bench podcast, presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller, your television voice for the Washington Wizards. What an exciting time it is recently for this organization, with the naming of Michael Winger, the new president of Monumental Basketball, Will Dawkins, the team's new general manager, and Travis Schlenk is the senior vice president of player personnel. All three of those men recently held a press conference to talk about what the future holds for the organization and a chance to sit down with Michael Winger to talk about what it means for him to be the president of Monumental Basketball, what attracted him to Washington, D.C., and what are some of his priorities in day one, year one, and maybe five years down the road. All that and so much more coming up on this edition of the Off the Bench Podcast featuring Michael Winger, the new president of Monumental Basketball. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. Michael Winger, president of Monumental Basketball. Has that title attached to your name? Has that set in yet? (laughs) No. I don't, it probably never will, no. <laughs> what was it like when you got the call from Ted saying he wanted you to run Monumental Basketball as the president? Hmm. Uh, I was,
1: I was a little stunned um, that this was happening. I was, I was certainly honored that Ted chose me to be that person. Um, it just, it, it, it took me the better part of two days to sort of come to appreciating the moment, um, and reflecting on what I would be potentially leaving, um, projecting upon what I would be potentially joining all of the chaos that would ensue. Um, but deep down, I was, I was just extremely grateful. Uh, and you know, the gratitude goes through your head. Like, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for Ted having that blind faith in me, Ted didn't know me, um, and then all, you start to think about all the people that have sort of impacted your life up to that point. You know, all my, all my bosses, my mentors, the, the coaches I've been with, the players I've been with, the executives I've been with. And just just filled with gratitude for all the people that have, over time, poured into me. and mm-hmm. Which culminated in that moment with, with Ted making a decision to bring me on. So it was just honor, gratitude, um, shock
0: how do you process having, you said you had a couple of days to kind of just think about it. How do you process the moment where you're like, you hang up or however you communicated with Ted to two days later being like, okay, I'm the president, I've got this to do, da, 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 da. How did you use those 48 hours to kind of wrap your mind around the kind of the enormity of the position? Um, I I probably blacked out for those two days.
1: But what I do remember is I was in Chicago for the combine when Ted called me um, and my family, my wife was all back home. Um, And I didn't, I didn't tell anybody for those two days. I just sort of sat on it and thought about it. Um, The enormity is, it's, it touches a lot of areas. It's not just the enormity of the job. It's moving a, a family, I have a large family Um, I have a lot of friends in LA at the Clips that I knew that I'd be moving far away from and a lot of folks at the organization that um, I just have a deep love for and I trust them, I believe in them and we were a pretty well-oiled machine. And when you get to that point in the cycle of a team, one day is usually a little bit easier than the day before it. And I knew that coming here, I would be starting all that over again. Um, so on one end of the spectrum, I was very excited because that's, that's my passion. My passion is sort of starting from this, you know, damp ball of clay and seeing what the heck we can do with it. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of the spectrum, when you're raising four young kids, it's nice to have the well-oiled machine at work because it gives you a little bit more time at home. And so I was grappling with that for those two days. Um, you know, my my brain automatically goes to, okay, well, what is our capacity to win? Winning is really important to me. I think it. I, I I think if you don't have a, if you're not pursuing wins in some form or fashion, you're not. Like, what are you playing the game for? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was wrapping my mind around how how are we going to become a sustainable winner? Um, you know, what's the staff they're like? Uh, who, who on earth could I bring with me? Um, you know, I'm the odd man out. And I don't I don't love being the odd man out. I like being part of a group, a uh, highly connected, um, synergistic group that just, like, knows how each other thinks and, and, and knows what to expect from one another. And I knew that I'd, I would be leaving a place where we have that, going to a place where it doesn't exist even a little bit for me. And so, you know, that was... That was daunting. Um, and I had a wonderful owner in Steve and spent six years you know, working for him and a wonderful president in Lawrence. And, and I loved working for him. And now I was I was leaving the safety of Steve and I was leaving the safety of Lawrence. That too was daunting. And so there's there was a lot that went through my mind those two days, but ultimately the challenge of that ball of clay, like just like sort of staring at this wet ball of clay knowing that i get to put my hands all over it and uh hopefully succeed and hopefully bring a lot of folks along um, help staff grow and move on to their uh, dreams um that's that was encouraging to me
0: it's kind of the natural progression of the follow-up i was going to ask is like what attracted you to washington was it that ball of clay
1: There's a lot of things in my in the process of meeting ted Um, he, he has a very, very deep palpable passion for DC and he wants so badly to roll out a winning product for the fans. And that's, that's sort of intoxicating it's, it's, it's like you could really lean into that. Um, so I, I I was, I was excited by Ted's passion. I think DC is a fan base starving for hope, and I think being one of the people responsible for providing that hope, I think that's uplifting. I, I sort of, I want that selfishly for myself. Like I, I want the hope too, and I want to be partly responsible for delivering the hope. Um, I think, I think players like this market a lot, and I think that we can enhance the organizational appeal and really attract some high-level talent. Um, the fans are great fans. They just, you know, it's been a few years since they've had some something serious to stand up and yell for. Um, but it, it's a wonderful fan base. And, you know, just the market, ownership, the roster, the staff, the fans, all that was, it just sort of, blended together and, and, and said to me like, when are you gonna have the aggregation of those five factors come together and check? in like, owner, fan base, roster, staff, uh, market. Like, when are they gonna come together? You're probably always gonna have one void or two voids, but this wasn't, it was, that checked all five boxes and it was like, well, if you're not gonna take this one, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Um, so that was it.
0: Do you have any ties to the D.C. area?
1: Marginal. Um, I did my third year of law school at the University of Maryland in downtown Baltimore. I worked for a sports agent in Baltimore for a couple of years, and that's the extent of my ties to D.C. Because
0: what's interesting about and this And I don't market. even know
1: that Baltimore is like—
0: Yeah, I was about to say for, that. It's forgive me of, if I made it a— It's all good. It's very unique in terms of like the market when you say that, because Baltimore is Baltimore, D.C., but— what I've noticed over my time here is there are Wizards fans in Baltimore. There oh, yeah. are a lot of them. So you're able to get a region. And it's not really just Baltimore. If you go all the way down to Tidewater area in Virginia, I mean, there are Wizards fans like all over that corridor. So that's why I asked if you had any ties to it. I want to ask what prompted you to seek this type of job at this point in your career.
1: Tell me what you mean by this type of job.
0: President of an organization in the NBA.
1: Got it. Um, I wasn't seeking it. Is the truth. Um, to me, I and I don't necessarily know that it's right or it's or it's wrong, but it's just it's just the way I I go about my life. I just I'm responsible for inputs. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for I'm responsible for doing my job, doing it at a high level if I can. Um, whether it's pouring into my kids, pouring into my job and you just sort of live with the results. But if you can tick off every day that you did the best you could that day, eventually some, like kids are going to grow up and they're going to become the adults that you helped them become. You can't change that, but you're not, you're not chomping at the bit to get them to adulthood. In fact, you're almost doing the opposite. Like you don't want them to become adults. You want them to stay kids forever. Very similar to me in my career. I loved what we were doing with the Clippers, and before that I loved what we were doing with Oklahoma City, before that Cleveland. But so I I wasn't pursuing the job, I was just pursuing my daily inputs, let's be great today, let's try to be great tomorrow, get to the next day, and typically when that happens, whether it's players, they get pursued somewhere else, coaches, they get pursued every now and then you get lucky and and somebody takes notice and says, you know, I, I sort of like what they're doing over there. Um, let me see what's going on. And so, um, I think Ted and his group did their due diligence and they, they scoured the league for the type of program that Ted wanted to have here with monumental basketball. Um, and I think that he, he just discovered through his Intel gathering that what he wanted aligned with just who I am and the contributions I make to the Clippers. And he reached out, and I mean, we just we speak the same language, and so I was very attracted to that. My, my
0: pursuit of the job only came after my interview with Ted. You talked about where you've been before, from Cleveland, Oklahoma City to the Clippers. What are some of the best practices you're going to take away from those experiences here in D.C.?
1: Hmm. Um, the places I've been have I know it sounds cliche, but I do write it. I do say it. They have this relentless pursuit of excellence and it's the organizations are unforgiving when it comes to mediocrity. They're unforgiving when it comes to a minuses to the extent that the a minus can be improved. We don't settle for a minus. We accept the a minus we resolve to pursue the A plus. And so, I think one of the, one of the practices that that I adopted early in my career in Cleveland and Oklahoma city was just this imagine that everything that you see and everything that you touch can be better. Just, just, just imagine it can take on the responsibility of making it better. Mm -hmm. And that's an endless pursuit, but the results are that the environment becomes stable. The environment becomes, um, almost like an incubator for perfection. Now, I'm not looking for perfection, but when you sort of create that environment, then then the players recognize it and they feel it. And they might put put up 10 more shots that day. Um, They might come in five minutes earlier that day. They might foam roll 30 more seconds that day. Just because they recognize that, okay, everything around me is being done at an extraordinarily high level. My turn, now it's my turn.
0: It's really hard at this point to try to ask you how do you prioritize year one because you literally just got to this job. But I am curious, though, of how you look at year one, year three, year five, and kind of like your big picture plan.
1: So um, it's a good question. It's a very fair question. I'm asked the question a lot, and the honest-to-God answer is I don't know what year one will look like, I don't know what year three will look like, and I don't know what year five will look like. I know that there is an un there's an unscripted amount of time that it's going to take us to become what I characterize as a championship level organization. It's not just roster based, it's it's not, it's everything. You're watching two extraordinary teams in the finals right now, and by all accounts, those two organizations are considered very high performing organizations. They don't just, they didn't luck into good teams. And so everything around the team is performing at a high level. That's how you get to where those two teams are. And we have to do that. And so eventually when we are a title contending team, we do have to have a title contending roster. We have to have title contending staff. We have to have title contending facility, operations, food, uh, whatever the case may be. And it's, it's all of our collective, it, 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 it's our collective responsibility to make sure that everything we do is putting our players and our coaches in the spot to narrowly focus on winning. And it doesn't have to be winning the championship. Like, we're not going to go out and win a championship tomorrow. But these guys that are working out today, they're trying to win their workout. They're trying to do better today than they did yesterday. And that's all we can ask for. Um, so the one-year plan, the three-year plan, the five-year plan, it's its just this uphill climb. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get there. But its it's this uphill climb. And at the very top of that mountain is a trophy.
0: And eventually, we're going to get it. You brought in Travis Schlenk, who is highly regarded as a really good talent evaluator. Are you surprised you were able to get him that quick into your tenure?
1: It's very honored. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that Travis, he's exactly what you said. Very highly regarded, an exceptional talent evaluator. He's done this job. um, I think he did it at a very high level. He built a good program, a good team. And uh, yeah, I'm extremely honored that he chose to come here with us um surprised I mean I've known Travis a long time and I know how hungry he is to just be around basketball um we have a very high degree of trust in each other and I was certainly crossing my fingers when I called him um but yeah I'm super I'm super excited he's here
0: you're known as someone that is uh, relationship based, not only in terms of players, but also agents and just however the organization needs you to talk to people, you get it done. How important is relationships to you?
1: I, I think it's it, it's the foundation of the league. Um, I think it's, I think the idea of, of the relationships is, is slightly mischaracterized and not to say the question is mischaracterized, but the idea of building relationships, the relationship isn't the goal. To me, it's the relationship is almost just a result of treating people well, being honest with them, telling them what they don't necessarily want to hear, but it's your, your version of the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you, just, if you treat people well with dignity and integrity, the relationship just sort of naturally occurs. But it's what helps transact business, what helps get things done, what helps you know your ability to call favors in, do favors for other people, isn't because they say, oh, I have a relationship with. It's because they say, he treats me well and he's honest with me. And I mean, far be it for me to say, but it, it's a little surprising that that's not just normal. Um, but I think that, The ability for us, the Wiz, all Monumental, to conduct business is either has been, or if it hasn't been, will certainly uh, hereafter be based in integrity um, and treating people the right way.
0: Only because where we are in the calendar, my next question is about the draft and your philosophy on it and your ability to look at prospects or have Travis look at prospects and deem them good enough to be a Washington wizard. What does that process kind of look like for you from your experience?
1: Well, I think every single every single draft is typically a little bit different than the one before because you're learning along the way and you're applying those learnings to the next draft. This draft is it's going to be clunky. We we were two weeks away from the draft and I don't have yet in my head. I don't think Travis has yet in his head the setup. Um, we're just now immersing ourselves in the players. Uh, we don't fully understand the roster we currently have, um, so it's it's just it's going to be clunky. Mm-hmm. Next year will be a lot sharper. The year after that will be sharper even still. What does the process look like? Uh, what does the process look like between now and then? We're going to study the heck out of the players. Um, we'll do our ordinary rankings, positional rankings, skill rankings, role rankings. Um, We'll apply those to whatever vision of the team we craft over the course of the next three to four weeks, although the draft is in two weeks, so we're not going to have that piece of information. Um, We'll hear what our scouts think. We'll hear what uh, what the strategy and analytics group thinks. I want as many inputs from the staff as possible. They've been studying this a lot longer than I have. And so we'll just, you know, probably starting... Tomorrow, uh, we'll just all be in a room together for extended periods of time talking about the guys. We'll pull on the threads that seem interesting. We'll, we'll you know, um, watch a ton of film if we're not experts on a player. We'll go gather intel if there are some, some curiosities about a guy that we need to satiate. But, I mean, it's going to be complicated. Yeah, but we'll is get it, it done?
0: Is it because it's clunky that? maybe everything is on the table for you where maybe in years where you're as organized as you were with the Clippers and other places it might not be everything is on the table is trading up trading back whatever oh yeah everything's on the table for you you think
1: absolutely okay it it has to be because i think that as we go into the next couple of weeks we are we're probably going to be very passive i don't mean i don't mean still I don't mean inactive. Mm -hmm. I mean receptive. Teams are, I'm hopeful that teams are gonna call us and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. Chances are they've been studying it a whole heck of a lot longer than we have. And so we're sort of hopeful that the ideas are gonna come in rather than be generated internally, um, at least for the next couple of weeks because we just have so much work to do over these next two weeks that typically when a group has been together for a while and you do have your roster in place that you're sort of committed to, you're narrowly focused on a couple of things at the draft. This trade, that trade, these two or three players in the draft. And it, 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 exactly as you said, for us it's it's the shotgun approach. It's just, you know, something everywhere. And we're just gonna pick and grab and choose what we can and we'll dust it off and see what the results are on June 23, and see what we have.
0: want well, to ask you about free agency and how your philosophy in terms of like building free agency around the roster that you have i know you don't know much about this roster but you know these dates are going to come up yeah. and i'm curious to know what you think of free agency and how you apply that to building a team
1: well it's one of the three ways of acquiring talent um draft free agency trades i some seasons the some seasons free agency we had this experience with the clips some seasons free agency can be the avenue through which you get your stars. Sometimes it's the avenue through which you get your... You mean the earthquake? The earthquake. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for people that don't know what the earthquake is, for many of us we were in Las Vegas. We blamed it on Zion Williamson with that dunk he had against the Knicks. That wasn't the earthquake. The earthquake was the Clippers getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Please. <laughs> sometimes
1: free agency is... Sometimes we might use free agency to pursue maybe your your fifth sixth seventh eighth guy um, more like a you know like a top end rotation player and then other times it's to it's to fill out the bench and so I'm not entirely sure how we're going to use it this year a lot depends on what the roster looks like mm-hmm. um, Kyle and KP both have player options so they have they have the power of choice which um, we probably won't know for another couple weeks what they choose to do Um, but yeah I I just I haven't studied free agency closely enough through the lens of the Wiz um, to know exactly how we're going to pursue it
0: we'll get to the Wizards roster in a moment but do you value one over the other in terms of drafting or free agency like how do you no they're all kind of the same to you okay Um, I want to ask you about analytics and how it's changed the game of basketball how much do you apply that in your day to day running of a team
1: A lot. Um, We apply it, we will apply it in multiple areas. One, player eval. There's a lot to learn about a player outside the box score um, that is coming through on-court analytics, um, a lot of the motion capture analytics. There's just, and it's happening fast. Every day there's something new. Every, Every year there's a new technology, a new algorithm, a new formula, a new metric that teams rely on. So we apply that a lot to player eval. Uh, We apply it a lot on the court. And we share as much information as we can with the coaching staff and help them understand what type of activity is happening where on the court, uh, how efficient or successful those activities are. And then they can make decisions on coverages um, to defend against those activities or on the offensive end to exploit those activities. Um, And I think maybe one of the frontiers Coming down the pike, and and we'll 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 do whatever part we can to understand it is analytics in assembling parts like a team. So obviously in baseball, there's so much so much of baseball analytics is individualized in a moment, and basketball is not that type of sport. And so there's a lot of team analytics, you know, like lineup analytics, plus minuses, things like that. Um, but I think one of the frontiers down the line is probably the ability to understand what how analytics could change based on personnel. In other words, s- somebody might be average at some metric, but average with a metric, I'm sorry, he, he, a player might be average in some undefined metric, but if you put a certain type of player with that player, maybe he becomes above average in that same metric. And so I think like team actual building
0: um, Lincoln Log style, you know, team analytics. I think I, we're gonna explore that. It's interesting, I just go back to the beginning of our conversation about you seeing Washington as kind of like this clay, right? Being able to kind of mold it any way you want. Analytics, I mean, I remember you know when you were in Cleveland working with Danny Ferry and them, where has analytics gone from like then to like where we are sitting in 2023? An indescribable leap. Um, the technology
1: is just so far advanced back in 05 to 10 really the only data we had was whatever appeared in the box scores and now there's just so much more than that you have three-dimensional data coming from basketball games you have three-dimensional data coming from practice gyms um you have you have uh, player physiology performance data uh, it's just i mean night and day
0: let's get to this team we'll start with the head coach wes is coming off of his second season How much conversation have you had with him? And then how do you approach going into like year one, knowing that the coach is already here and you have not hired that person and just kind of collaborating with him?
1: Well, the second piece first, um, Wes already being here to me was attractive. We interviewed Wes when I was with the Clippers for the job in 2020, I believe very impressive. And he's been exposed to a lot of winning, um, I feel very lucky that Wes is here. And I have had an opportunity to sit with Wes, an extended opportunity to sit with Wes, get to know Wes a little bit. Um, I I think he's bright, and I'm, I'm very eager to work with Wes.
0: What support does he need, do you think, from afar to get him as a better coach, him and his staff? I think all coaches need the same thing from a front
1: office, and that is just eliminate distractions and let them focus on hoop. And to the extent that I can do that, to the extent that our group can do that, eliminate the distractions, don't don't ask them to make decisions that don't necessarily affect winning, Um, support them whatever they need. If it's resources, if it's hard conversations, if it's different personnel, if it's whatever they need, different travel times, uh, different food, whatever these guys need, their job is to, the coaching staff I'm saying, their job is to put the players in the position to be the best players those guys can be period. Hard stop. Therefore, it's our job to put the coaches in the position to be the best coaches that they can be for the benefit of the players. And so that's it. it, it it's maybe day-to-day it's complex, but the vision is pretty simple. Just create, create a very narrow job description for Wes and the coaches so that they know they're responsible for getting the players better,
0: and I'll take care of everything else. Speaking of players, Bradley Beal is the face of this franchise. He's been here over a decade. Um, You you had very nice words to say about him. I mean, clearly it's very hard to acquire that type of talent in this league. You've mentioned that before. Have you had a conversation with him yet about what you see? I mean, the vision down the road is very hard to kind of forecast, but you do have an all-star player on this roster right now. How do you feel about Brad? with you working in concert? Very
1: similarly si- similarly to how I felt about Wes. Extremely fortunate to have talent like that on the team. Um, I think he is an exceptional basketball player. And I don't know him personally, but a lot of the folks that I'm close with know him personally. Former coaches, former players, former folks that have been around him, they all speak very highly of him. And to have a talent like that, who's also a good person, I mean, there's, there's nothing but appeal there. Um, I'm eager to get to know Brad. I just, I just don't know Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanna share my thoughts with Brad. I, want, I would love to hear Brad's thoughts on the organization, the team, what the future looks like. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got a serious vote in, in what we do. And I wanna make sure that he has all the information that he needs to cast his
0: vote on on what he thinks we should do. This team last year won 35 games with Beal, Kuzma, Porzingis. They didn't really play a lot of games together. So there was this question of do you just kind of run it back with them? As you mentioned earlier, two of those players have the ability to opt out and maybe go seek employment elsewhere, though. But from afar, how do you see the dynamic of those three players playing together? And would you even entertain them coming back together?
1: Seeing them together, so I think last season, not just for the Wizards, but there were a lot of teams that had top end talent that just underperformed as a team. Guys in and out of the lineup, injuries, um, there was a lot of fatigue this season throughout throughout the league. And I think some, some percentage of that fatigue is a function of compacting so many seasons into a short period of time on account of the pandemic. But there was a lot of fatigue and in my opinion, now maybe I'm biased because I was also with the clips and we had sort of a, a little bit of an underwhelming season as well, despite top end talent. I just, I sort of forgive the guys for that because it's, it's, it's not isolated to the wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is finding talent like Coos, KP and Brad is not an easy feat. It is, it is difficult to get three guys of that caliber on the same team. Now, whether or not, whether or not those three guys, when they're playing their best, are the perfect, you know, uh, threesome, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they know, and it's it's all of our job to figure that out over the course of time. Could I see those three guys coming back? Absolutely, I could see those three guys coming back. I'm not entirely sure that the pieces, the players, like. I think there's just so much, um, what's what I'm looking for? There's a lot of low hanging fruit. There's a lot of inherent opportunity here without without making drastic changes to elevate the organization and elevate the team. And I personally would like to see how much better the group can be if we give them just different resources. Mm -hmm. If they can do it, Great, then we can pour into that group and build around it. If they can't, okay, then we've discovered
0: that and we pivot to the next iteration. Two more things. Uh, you're also responsible for overseeing the Mystics and the Capital City Go-Go. I wanna go with the Go-Go first because it's a very unique situation to have them in this building, mm-hmm. in this city. How do you see the G League working with the, the big club, if you will, with the NBA team? How do you see the talent? and kind of bringing them up and down, kind of like they do in Major League Baseball.
1: I love it. Um, we we were fortunate in Oklahoma City to have our G League team right down the street in a separate facility. And the ability for guys to toggle back and forth, I think exposes them to so much more basketball than they otherwise would if they were in flight away cities. Um, but like here, for example, you can have you can have the G League guys watch an NBA practice, and then they can have their practice, the go-go practice, two hours later. Well, that's that's double the basketball exposure that other teams are getting. And I think you would probably agree, the more you are exposed to something, the more proficient you're going to become in that thing. And so I I very much appreciate that the go-go have exposure to the wizards and the wizards have exposure to the go-go just for pure observation purposes. Like you're just going to absorb, if you're in the gym watching hoop, watching coaching, you're going to absorb the information over time.
0: And I'm a big fan of it. And with the Mystics working with the Tebos, how excited are you to kind of be a part of that also? Very. Um, Also another appealing part of the job, I
1: admittedly have zero exposure to, zero professional exposure to the W, and I have a lot of learning to do, but I've had some conversations with Coach Um, with Elena, I I just, I think that's a special group. I'm really eager to get to know them. Um, now I'm probably, I mean, look, they, they're a pretty high performing team Mm -hmm. and they know what the heck they're doing. And my biggest fear is messing it up. And so I'll probably stay a little bit arm's length until I'm asked to help in something. Um, but yeah, I mean, when something's going really, really well, the worst thing I could do is inject my perspective and mess it up. So I'm not going to do that.
0: Final question, so my last one. It has nothing to do with basketball. It has nothing to do with your job. You are moving four children and a wife clear across the country. You can say it on the record. Is your wife the real MVP? (laughs) She is is the league MVP, (laughs) now five years running. So if there's an extension, Max deal, you just sign off on it, right? Yes. Whatever she wants, she gets. Pleasure to meet you, Mike. Pleasure. Welcome to DC. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.